Alberta's latest budget includes a $2.6 billion surplus, but concerns remain as the province is expected to borrow a substantial amount of money to meet its near-term goals. With the 2024 budget, Alberta is introducing a $200 annual tax for electrical vehicle owners upon registration to match the fuel tax. Canada is bringing back visas for Mexican nationals after facing pressure from U.S. authorities. Hello Canada, it's Friday, March 1st, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Cosmin Georgia. And I'm Isaac Lamaru. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The Alberta government unveiled its 2024 budget showing that the taxpayer support debt of $78.4 billion is equal to 106.6% of total revenue. The budget, poised to bolster the province's status as Canada's economic powerhouse, forecasts a $367 million surplus for the fiscal year 2024 to 2025. The surplus is set to increase to $1.4 billion in 2025 to 2026 and $2.6 billion in 2026 to 2027. Despite the technical surplus, the province is projected to borrow $19.8 billion for the next year, $5.4 billion for refinancing maturing debt, $2.8 billion in new funding for the capital plan, and year-end cash adjustments, and $11.6 billion to repay debt maturities coming in 2025 to 2026. The borrowing is expected to decrease to $4.4 billion in 2025 to 2026, and $8 billion in the year after that. Alberta has pledged to use at least half of any surplus funds to reduce the province's taxpayer-supported debt, which is projected to decrease by $3.2 billion in the 2023-2024 fiscal year. The government will also invest $2 billion more into the Heritage Fund with earnings retained in the fund at $1.38 billion. The market value of the Heritage Fund will be $25 billion. Healthcare emerges as a top priority in the budget with a record $26.2 billion investment to enhance services, including mental health supports and the modernization of the primary healthcare system. The budget also addresses public safety and community well-being, earmarking $1.2 billion for emergency services and initiatives to combat crime alongside significant investments in wildfire management and disaster preparedness. And by 2026, parents will pay an average of $10 per day for childcare. Plans to help reduce costs for families are to provide grants to not-for-profit and private childcare operators in order to lower fees and expand eligibility for childcare subsidies, providing cost saving to families earning up to $180,000 per year. Additionally, the Alberta government plans to introduce a new tax cut over the next two years. In 2026, a 9% bracket will be introduced for income up to $60,000. The rate will be reduced to 8% in 2027. 
Taxpayers' savings are expected to be $760 annually once the tax cut is fully implemented with total annual savings of $1.4 billion. So Isaac, you were in the lockup for this budget. What was the number one thing that stood out for you? Well, Cosman, the first thing that stood out to me was the size of the documents. By my estimation, all of the budget documents combined equated to around 1,500 pages. And obviously, with such extensive documentation, it's hard to pick a singular standout. But a key standout to me that may interest our readers and certainly interested me, given my income, was, of course, as you mentioned, the new tax bracket being developed, which was a campaign promise of the UCP. And you mentioned that in 2026, a 9% bracket will be introduced, followed by an 8% in 2027, which will equate to taxpayers saving an expected $760 annually once the tax cut is fully implemented with a total annual savings of $1.4 billion. Another interesting thing, which was not at all clear and quite confusing for others too, who continuously questioned and asked for clarifications during the technical embargoed briefing and embargoed media conference, were people asking Alberta to clarify its surplus. While Alberta technically posted an accounting surplus, the province still borrowed money. To my knowledge, and frankly, I'm still not entirely clear on the matter, this is because while having a technical accounting surplus, the province did not have enough cash to fulfill its financial obligations towards the capital plan. On top of that, the amount of money borrowed was, again, not entirely clear. In the document, the province said that it'll borrow $19.8 billion. However, in the press conference, they mentioned various amounts of debt, and the tables showing the data and the documents themselves were, frankly, hard to understand. Cosman, I'm curious, do you think that Alberta is in a good economic position, and did you expect anything different from the budget? So I think Smith is in a situation where she's trying to prop up the province long-term, and she had to make several hard decisions with this budget. So we'll we'll have to see how this turns out, right? Whether these actual investments will actually benefit the average Albertan. But Isaac, if you had the opportunity, what would be the main question you would pose to the UCP government in terms of this budget? Well, Cosman, I did have the opportunity being in the technical briefing and media conference yesterday, but one thing that was asked repeatedly but it's still not entirely clear to me, is that the Alberta government will be investing $2 billion into the Alberta Heritage Fund this year. However, no investments were announced for the years thereafter, and I'd like to know more about that. The government did say, though, that they will be releasing a long-term plan charting a path to the Heritage Fund being worth between $250 billion to $400 billion by 2050. Smith said that this is Alberta's plan to move past its reliance on non-renewable funds, and precedent has been set up with similar funds in other countries that rely on non-renewable income streams. And Smith has said that these countries have such good funds and good investments in those funds that they're no longer reliable on non-renewables. And interestingly, of course, she said that this would be worth $250 billion to $400 billion by 2050, which is when Alberta plans to be carbon neutral. The Alberta government has announced in its 2024 budget that a $200 annual tax will be applied to electric vehicles as early as January 2025. The tax will be paid when owners register their vehicles and will be in addition to the existing registration fee. The tax rate is in line with the annual fuel tax paid by drivers of gas vehicles, said the Alberta government. The tax, however, will not apply to owners of hybrid vehicles, 
EVs tend to be heavier than similar internal combustion vehicles and cause more wear and tear on provincial roadways while their owners pay no fuel tax, said the Alberta government. Although revenues from fuel taxes are not explicitly dedicated to the construction and maintenance of provincial roads, concerns remain over fairness as fuel tax revenue declines. The tax is expected to generate $1 million in revenue for the 2024-25 year. The revenue will increase substantially as EV adoption is expected to accelerate, reaching $5 million in 2025-26 and $8 million in the following year, according to the government's projections. More details about the EV tax will be made available when legislation is introduced in fall 2024. The Alberta government said that it will continue to review the sustainability of the fuel tax, including the increasing use of alternative fuels and consider charges to protect tax revenues. The federal Liberal government outlined its plan to phase out gas vehicles by mandating that at least 20% of new vehicles purchased be electric by 2026, 60% by 2030, and that all new vehicles purchased are electric by 2035. Cosman, it doesn't seem like this tax will generate a lot of funds for the province, but the reasoning does seem sound. However, do you think that this will actually dissuade people from adopting EVs at a time when the federal government is trying to mandate them? I think it might dissuade people, but uh, I think people are already trending towards, uh, well, rather against adopting EVs just due to the high costs, the unreliability. And I mean, we're talking about Alberta here. You guys have winter for, what, four, five months of the year. So an, an EV isn't really the normal option for people there. But I think it's interesting that a conservative government is announcing a tax because essentially i would assume that smith would be against taxes and she would try to reduce it as much as possible but it does seem that like this policy itself is an attempt to counter signal against the federal government's mandate to introduce uh only ev sales by the year 2035 and I would wonder what the backlash against this will be. Will consumers and you know EV manufacturers actually uh, have a problem with this? At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible, because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. As of today, Canada will impose a visa on Mexican nationals who want to visit the country by air. According to the Liberal government minister, Mark Miller, only those who have a valid U.S. and non-immigrant visa or who have had a Canadian visa in the past 10 years will be eligible for an electronic travel authorization. The rest of the visitors will have to apply for a regular Canadian visitor visa, which takes longer to process and has more stringent requirements. Mexico is an important partner to Canada. We will continue to welcome Mexican temporary workers, students, visitors, and immigrants who bring diverse skills and important contributions to our economy and communities, said Miller in a press release. We strive for balance between the movement of people between our two great countries and the need to relieve pressure on our immigration system so we can provide protection to those who need it most. 
Miller said that this decision was made to address the high number of asylum claims from Mexican nationals, which have increased dramatically since Prime Minister Justin Trudeau lifted the visa requirement for Mexico in 2016. The government said that most of these claims are rejected, withdrawn, or abandoned, and that they put a strain on the country's immigration and asylum system. Isaac, it seems like the liberals are trying to put out policies that appear to address immigration issues. We saw it with the uh, restrictions placed on the international student program, but yet they haven't rolled back their 500,000 immigration target. Are these just Band-Aid solutions? Yeah, Cosman, this is just a Band-Aid solution and will do little to address immigration issues as it won't move the needle when it comes to the amount of immigrants coming into Canada. You have to look at the number of people coming in as a percentage of the population. For example, Alberta's population increased by 4.1% last year. Many of those were non-permanent residents, but Alberta also had a record number of interprovincial migrants at 56,000. In this year's budget, Alberta said that its population would increase by 3.7% this year, which is almost 175,000 people, and that the net interprovincial migrants is supposed to cool to 53,000 people. Interestingly, though, Alberta's CPI went down, not up, and will continue to do so. However, the province did admit in its budget report that its real GDP per capita is falling behind as economic growth falters behind population growth. Cosman, will the Liberals ever address their immigration issues in a meaningful way? You know, a few years ago, I would have said, no, they would never change their immigration targets. But now I think there is a possibility. And that's because things are just trending in the opposite direction. I think for the first time in a while, Canadians at large are questioning uh, the objectives of our immigration program. They're also questioning the record high numbers of immigrants coming in. Uh, it's, it's not contributing positively, at least not to the uh, housing market. You know, most Canadians can't even afford to buy their first home. So perhaps, you know, with, with an election coming up in 2025, the Liberals might actually adjust their immigration targets. But another side of me thinks that they're just so committed to mass immigration that they're never going to do that. It does create an opportunity, though, for the conservatives to provide a sensible immigration plan. And I feel like conservative leader Pierre Polyev has not, has yet to do that. He said that he wants to, you know, match the number of immigrants based on this vague formula uh, to the uh, amount of housing supply. But he, he hasn't set any hard targets. Uh, and we might see some come the election, but I would like to see more discussion on this issue. That's it for today, folks. Make sure to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.